Welcome to the Pass of the Prairies podcast brought to you by Saskatchewan Pass Growers. Here we share information about farm practices, pulse markets, research outcomes, market development efforts, and much more. My name is Constance Chiremba, and I'm the Pulse Science Cluster Program Manager with SPG. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing a group of people involved with today's topic. First, we have Mike Nickerson, Professor and Saskatchewan Minister of Agriculture, Research Chair with the University of Saskatchewan. We're also joined by Dr. James House, Professor of Food and Human Nutritional Sciences with the University of Manitoba. Lindsay Boyd is a technologist of Pulse Science Cluster with Cereals Canada. And last but not least, we have Elaine Sopinik, Vice President Technical Services at Cereals Canada, located in Winnipeg. In this episode, we'll cover off the research this team has been working on, such as how processing strategies are being developed for innovative commercially ready pulse ingredients for the Canadian food sector, and how these processes can achieve pulse flour and protein specifications with the required functionality and nutritional profiles needed for a wide range of applications like pasta, soups, dips and sauces, pan breads, meat binders and meat alternatives. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining me today. Mike, let's start with you. Tell us about your research in the field of pulse processing. What are you trying to achieve? Thanks, Constance. Um, the overall goal of our pulse cluster research project is, is basically to create ingredient line extensions by modifying the ingredients through processing to obtain different nutritional and functional attributes that we can then tailor to certain applications, whether it's a meat analog, uh, pasta, baked goods, or, or other uh, applications. With the goal of, of better competing with pulses uh, against soya in, in the marketplace. Now, when we talk about proteins, for instance, Proteins are, are made up of water-loving and oil-loving uh, components, and the oil-loving components are inside the protein. So when we use processing, we're actually modifying the protein to unfold that protein to expose these buried sites, and that gives new surface properties, which then give new functionality that we want to do. It also helps to improve the digestion of, of the pulse ingredients. So we've been looking at a number of different processing technologies. Milling is uh, is at the forefront, um, but we're also looking to look at infrared heating. So we're partnering with Infrared Products Limited, which is a global leader uh, in infrared processing in, in Basin, Saskatoon. And there we're, we're, it's almost like a toasting process in which we're heating the water molecules that vibrate to generate heat to cause unraveling of the protein. We're also using extrusion at SIGI to modify the properties of the protein and also roasting also at SIGI. We're using fermentation so the microbes can secrete enzymes which then can modify the protein structure and its functionality. Enzymatic treatments and germination. So we're looking at all these clean label processes, hopefully tailoring the functional attributes for food applications. And when I talk about functional attributes, I'm referring to solubility, which is important for beverages, uh, water and oil holding, which is important for meat analogs or binders, emulsification, which is important for beverages, salad dressing and baking, uh, foaming, which is important for uh, baked goods and desserts, and gelation, uh, important for uh, controlling food structure. So we're doing a lot of work in partnering uh, with SIGI and the Saskatchewan Food Development Centre for product development purposes to try to link the processing technology 
uh, and the functional attributes of nutrition to product applications. My research program also looks at other, uh, not a part of the pulse cluster, but other dry fractionation technologies like the electrostatic separation, which can separate proteins from starch based on their charge. And we're also doing wet extraction processes to reduce the water consumption used in the wet extraction process and look at flavor reduction strategies for the pulse-based ingredients. Thank you very much, Mike. Now turn over to Jim. Can you explain what protein quality means in the context of the regulatory framework to make protein claims in pulses? Sure. Thanks, Constance. Uh, well, certainly when we talk about quality, it's really in the eyes of the holder Every when you think about the word quality. But our perspective uh, for this project, looking at the pulse protein quality, what we're really looking at it is from a nutritional standpoint. And so from the eyes of the regulatory bodies, in particular Health Canada and the US FDA, what we're primarily concerned about is, is trying to show that proteins, in particular pulse proteins and plant-based proteins, where there's a lot of interest, um, that they have protein quality that allows them to meet a protein content claim on a label. So if you wanna have a term such as excellent source of protein or a good source of protein on a new food product, which helps you then market that product to consumers, you actually have to have data to substantiate the quality of that particular protein source. In Canada, we use a method called the protein rating system, which is uh, an older system, and it uses a method called the protein efficiency ratio to calculate the protein rating. And if you, you have to have a certain level of a protein rating in order for you to get to the, have the ability to make a claim such as good source or excellent source. The problem is there's not a lot of data out there on, on some of the new ingredients and the impact of processing. So our work in working with um, this team here is looking at the effect of uh, processing. And we also have uh, projects looking at factors such as environment and genetics how it influences that quality of the protein, which is ultimately dictated by the amino acid composition of the protein source, how well that, that protein matches the amino acid requirements of, of humans uh, when you're looking at requirement estimates, and also the digestibility. So you can have a very well-balanced protein, but if it's not very digestible, it won't have a high quality. So we look at the amino acid composition, and we look at the digestibility. Those two terms will allow you to calculate another marker of protein quality, which is called the PDCAS, or the Protein Digestibility Corrected Amino Acid Score. This is the method that's required in the United States in order to substantiate a protein content claim. And so that method, you, you need to have a marker of uh, protein digestibility as well as the amino acid composition. Now in 2020, Health Canada made a regulatory change that said that we can now allow the use of PDCAS to calculate a protein rating. So there's more and more emphasis being placed on the PDCAS method to determine protein quality. The biggest challenge with that method, however, is that the officially recognized method requires the use of an animal bioassay. And as we uh, have evolved as a society, there is greater and greater emphasis being placed on reducing the use of animal testing for regulatory purposes. And that's something that we're working on heavily within our program is to try to position alternatives to the use of animal bioassays so that we can 
measure protein digestibility using what are called in vitro techniques so that we can measure what's called in vitro PDCAS or in vitro protein quality. So all in all, we are trying to measure the factors that influence both the digestibility and amino acid composition of, of all dietary proteins, but in particular plant-based proteins, because that will help companies and the entire protein sector better position their products for uh, the human marketplace. Thank you very much, Jim. Still on the subject of protein, uh, will you tell us how processing impacts the protein quality of pulse ingredients? Sure. So as I mentioned, there's primarily two factors, the amino acid composition and the digestibility. And processing can influence both of those factors and not always in the same direction. Typically, when you're looking at plant-based proteins, raw pulse flowers, for example, tend to have a little bit lower digestibility than flowers that have been cooked because we're inactivating certain factors that may suppress the digestibility. We're also expanding those proteins so that it makes them more uh, susceptible to uh, proteolysis and protein breakdown. So they're better able to be digested more efficiently. So typically processing can improve digestibility. You can, however, over-process pulse flowers and that can then tip the curve in the other direction where you start having a negative impact on digestibility. And it's not always predictable. So you have to measure it uh, in order to determine the true impact of processing conditions on digestibility. The same thing holds true for the amino acid composition. It's a little bit more stable um, during processing, but you can see under certain processing conditions where in particular certain key amino acids like lysine and the sulfur amino acids can be negatively impacted by in particular high thermal uh, processing techniques. And you need to take care to monitor what impact the uh, processing steps are having on those two components of, of quality, the digestibility and the amino acid composition. Thank you very much, Jim. Now let's hear from Cyril's Canada. We'll start with Lindsay. What are the project outcomes that might benefit growers? So the opportunity that this project addresses is the potential to create value-added pulse ingredients through secondary processing, which is the production of ingredients like flowers and protein isolates. Consumer demand for protein and specifically plant-based protein is growing, and it's a tremendous opportunity that the pulse sector can use to their advantage. As Mike mentioned, uh, this project aims to increase the ways pulses can be processed into ingredients and create more variety and consistent ingredients that are supplied to the food industry. More availability and applications for pulse ingredients will increase the types of foods pulses can be used in and therefore increase the demand for pulses, which will ultimately benefit pulse growers. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Are there any commercial products that you're hoping to develop? Will these products create a demand for pea and lentil crop in the future? So an important part of the project that we're doing here at Cereals Canada is to focus on the milling of pulses. Uh, we're specifically looking at roller milling, which is a milling method that's traditionally used in wheat milling. The advantage of roller milling is that it can create the different flour ingredients based on their composition and functionality. Currently, uh, the, for the production of pulse ingredients, we don't have this ability. So with roller milling, it uses a series of different stages to reduce the pulse seed into flour. 
And this provides an opportunity to also remove the hull from the outside of the seed during the milling process, rather than having to de-hull the seeds prior to milling. This also saves the need for additional processing. The ability to create these custom and consistent pulse ingredients based on the specific needs of an end product expands the potential uses for our food processors. Additionally, as part of this product, we use these flowers that we've generated using the roller mill in some different food applications. We blend the pulse flowers with wheat flour to create products that are similar to what consumers are familiar with. And we get that added nutritional boost from the protein and fiber content in pulses. We've had some very promising results using these pulse flowers generated from the roller mill in both bread and pasta applications. Understanding the differences between the different pulse flowers and what we can generate with the roller mill uh, and communicating that into industry is important to continue to grow the utilization of these different pulse crops in foods. Thank you, Lindsay. Now over to Elaine. How does Cereals Canada pull together expertise from different sectors and collaborate on projects such as these? Uh, staff at Cereals Canada has developed tremendous expertise in pulse milling from the previous pulse-related projects that we worked on over the past 15 years. We started our activities on pulse quality focused on primary processing, which just simply involves dehulling and splitting of the pulses. But since that time, we've recognized that secondary processing of pulses into milled pulse products, as Lindsay mentioned, offers an incredible potential to increase the demand for Canadian pulses and bring benefits to Canadian pulse producers. Our involvement in pulse-related projects has allowed us to develop relationships with those throughout the pulse, wheat, and agricultural value chains. As such, we have developed a very good understanding of the quality needs that are required by both domestic and international customers. Our technical strength and expertise, plus our unique technical facilities, allows us to connect with those in the value chain which could involve conducting pilot scale trials for manufacturers who may be ready to bring a food product to market. A specific example of this is a success that we've had working with Warburton's on a previous Pulse project. Warburton's is a large UK bakery that uses a good proportion of Canadian wheat, but they also want to be able to use the goodness of Canadian pulses in their baked products as well. So we worked with them to develop new products for their baked product lines that contained Canadian pulses, and these were available to consumers in the UK. Thank you, Elaine. I think that covers also um, the knowledge base gained and how um, the knowledge is used to enhance the marketability of pulse ingredients. Um, if you have any additional comments on that. Sure. Um, this project has brought together a number of pulse researchers who otherwise would have been working individually. And that quote, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts really summarizes what this particular project has done. We would all be successful on our own, but bringing us together really allows for greater synergies to be developed. And it creates an excellent opportunity for all of us to help promote the use of Canadian pulses. As Mike mentioned earlier, the goal of this project is to develop processes that create a wider variety of pulse ingredients that are available to food processors, 
as well as to assist food manufacturers on how to best use these pulse ingredients in various food products. The development of pulse ingredients that have different compositions, different functionalities, allows the pulse industry to market those ingredients to specific food applications, thereby increasing the potential demand for pulses. One example that we have seen in the work that we've done at Cereals Canada is that chickpea flours perform very well in baking applications. And as Lindsay mentioned, we've also learned that roller milling of pulses can save processing steps, meaning that dehulling isn't required in order to generate pulse flours. Ultimately, the knowledge that we as a whole have gained will be shared with food processors so that they can become excited about the potential of using pulses which can eventually improve the marketability of them overall for Canadian growers. Thank you very much, Elaine. And now back to you, Mike. What clean label technologies can be used to improve the performance of pulse ingredients? Well, all the technologies that we're using in this particular pulse cluster project, whether it's thermal treatment such as extrusion, uh, roasting or infrared heating, or whether it's uh, biological treatments like fermentation or enzymes or uh, germination, all these are considered clean label techniques that we're using to modify the nutritional and functional attributes of these ingredients to develop new ingredients. Uh, when we typically talk about clean label, that usually has to do with the wet extraction process. Typically in that process, solvents are used such as hexane or, or ethanol to remove high concentrations of lipid. So this is typically used in the soya industry. Luckily for pulses, pulses don't have a lot of lipid in their seed with the exception of chickpea. Uh, so we, we can process it using wet extraction techniques without uh, using solvents. Chickpea is another story. It has about 5 to 7% lipid in there. So we have to remove that. Otherwise, that could have a, a negative effect on extraction yield. What are some challenges facing pulse ingredients entering the marketplace? Well, I, I think maybe I'll talk about four. Uh, functionality is one. So that's one of the big focuses of our pulse cluster project in which we're trying to modify and tailor the functionality to different applications. You know, like other plant proteins, functionality is really important and, and they tend to be uh, less functional uh, compared to animal proteins, such as whey and casein. So improving uh, through processing the functional attributes will, will improve their performance in food applications. Uh, the second one I wanna talk about is, is protein quality. So like plant protein sources, they tend to be deficient uh, the pulses in the sulfur amino acids and tryptophan. Uh, so they're all often consumed or recommended consumed in, in uh, alongside cereals, which are, are rich and deficient in the other amino acids. So protein quality is important to get that complete uh, protein uh, amino acid profile in, in your diet. Flavor and color is, an, is another important aspect. Um, Pulses are known to have this beanie flavor, which some consumers don't like. So removing or developing strategies to remove uh, these flavor compounds is really important. We've done some previous work with Keyleaf here in Saskatoon, uh, developing a, a resin-based absorbent uh, technique that can remove a, a, lot of, a lot of the flavor compounds and pulses. Um, other strategies include using thermal treatments such as steam uh, or alcohol washing uh, to remove these flavor compounds. Then supply is another big one. Uh, P, there's a lot of supply, but some of the other pulses uh, supply is a little less. 
so in order for these big food companies to make decisions to transfer to new ingredients and, and away from soya, we have to make sure that there's sufficient and constant supply of material. And, and this year, because of the drought, uh, it's becoming exceptionally uh, difficult um, to get that supply up um, that we need. Thank you, Mike. And the last question for you. Besides P, what other opportunities are emerging for other pulses? Uh, well, uh, I, I think other pulses such as baba bean, chickpea, and lentils are, are really important, uh, especially for air classification. Uh, when we look at baba bean, for instance, you can get uh, protein concentrates at 65% protein versus pea, which is around 50% protein. So that's really important when we're started talking about uh, making meat analog type products. So having that inherent higher content uh, of protein in the faba bean makes it really attractive. And, it, and I really think faba bean is gonna come uh, along next uh, after pea in, in terms of the marketplace. I think lentil and chickpea uh, in the lab uh, has shown excellent functional attributes, uh, much even better than pea and faba bean. So functionally, these ingredients are, are really good and they're nutritious as well. So there's a lot of opportunity for the other pulses uh, once the supply gets up and the processing gets a little bit further down the road. This wraps up our discussion today. Thanks for bringing your expertise and observations to today's discussion. For more information on the development of processing strategies for innovative, commercially ready pulse ingredients for the Canadian food sector, please visit saspulse.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss upcoming episodes. To stay up to date with SPG, you can subscribe to our mailing list on our website. We send regular updates, keeping you informed on market updates, new technologies, and trends in pulse production. Thank you for tuning in to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast.